Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and uh, we are back for a second episode of our new season of, of the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are going through our our message series in the kingdom is alike. Now this week is a little bit different for those of you that are jumping in than normal. I do have Trevor here with me and yet Eric's not here. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. So it's just us two. Yeah. No, there's a third. There's a third. There's There's always three. Yeah, we can't do this without three. (laughs) Yeah, where two or three are gathered. That's That's why. (laughs) So minimum of two, optimal is three. So I didn't realize that Jesus was talking about podcasting uh, podcasting in that regard. Okay. Yep. So we got Kyle here, Kyle Henderson from our South Jordan campus, our campus pastor. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's great to be back. Yeah. Uh, So you've been on one or two. I've been on a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've hosted, I've sat in your seat. Uh, I've been opposite Eric. I think I was opposite Paul one time yeah um, so yeah yeah is... it turns out kyle is the one that i can trust when i'm on vacation to run the soundboard and record things to understand uh <laughs> to press play yeah 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 i am the only one here yeah. Yeah. honestly so that's, it, that's more of uh, a knock at eric uh who is um our age he's he's a young buck but he's yeah. the most technologically unsavvy in he's not very person. savvy no not at all <laughs> actually so. yeah i think trevor's got him beat yeah well do trevor definitely Trev? does trev? i appreciate that yeah, uh trev this does. little thing right next to me with all the knobs and lights <laughs> i i don't know what i don't know how to work that but <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll take i'll take what you're giving to me <laughs> yeah yeah so uh well we've got three of us here we got kyle we got trev we got me here today and we're looking at week two and uh, man, I've been enjoying this series so far. And and I don't know if our listeners are are you know partaking in this or not, but I appreciate. I'm a person that likes structure. That's mm-hmm. just I'm a I'm a boring vanilla kind of guy. Uh, so I do like the reading plan that we have. Yeah. Um, with the sm- small group, the devotional guide, all those things. Like I think it's been really helpful for me. It's good to have structure. Well, I will say too, and I've been meaning to say this to you, Trevor. So I'm going to say it now. Uh, but I, if you, those, uh, those that don't know, Trevor's role as a teaching and discipleship pastor, uh, wrote the content and him and Eric mm-hmm. write the messages, but wrote the content for this, not only devotional guide, but this small group material. And, uh, I'm a small group leader, uh, and my group is enjoying it. We are loving, uh, and are excited for even next week, which is, you know, not to spoil anything for those who haven't had group this week yet, but is the meal week. And so you yeah. have to share a meal together. So. And origin stories. Yeah, origin stories. So I prepped my group for it. So and I was like, guys, we're going to... So so last night we did the prompt of highs and lows. Uh-huh. A little bit hesitant to get involved. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, this is good practice because next week... This is what we're doing, and 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 you know, so I'm like really looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. My my group's the opposite. My group loves sharing, and so we hit, we actually spent <laughs> probably a little bit too much time, uh, but it was good because we got some new people in our group, and so it was a lot of fun. Um, but then, kind of speaking of that, to even kind of start to jump in, uh, there's an opener that Trevor has provided uh, for these oh, yeah. weeks, and uh, the opener of this week was uh, a recounting or a retelling of the story of the tortoise and the hare. Did you guys do one word at a time or did you do like somebody just say it? We just let people start saying it. So we did one word at a time. Did you? Yeah. So people were jumping in, they were, they were saying it, but the interesting thing, and once again, for those that haven't had small group yet this week, uh, the interesting thing about it is the amount of 
different pieces of that story that get added in Mm -hmm. because that story has been retold so many times into different contexts with different i mean the looney Mm -hmm. tunes did it like you know Mm -hmm. bugs bunny it's it's wild and so to hear the traditional story and then to add all these other pieces to it is fascinating from the greeks to looney tunes yeah well i well first off i appreciate you saying that so thank you of course Um, of course and then yeah the story's kind of funny because it's um it's intended to be an illustration to show how much context matters mm-hmm. and how when a story is adapted to our context or written to fit our context, we naturally intuitively understand it. And when it isn't, we don't. And that story is funny, like you're saying, because there is a version that we're all familiar with that does fit our context, but right. there are other versions that don't. <laughs> yeah. do, do tell, share yeah, with so, us. <laughs> so originally the, it comes from uh, Aesop's fables, right? right? The, the Greek slave who wrote these different stories to mm-hmm illustrate different points. There's also a little known German version that uh, basically says the race was intended to figure out which animal should uh, receive a certain role within the animal community. And obviously the tortoise uh, wins the race, beats the hare because the hare is, you know, distracted and doesn't take it seriously, all those things. So the tortoise receives the role uh, of delivering news, important news within the animal community. And then a forest fire occurs. Oh, no. And so they send the tortoise to deliver the news to everyone. and To uh, get out, to get out, safety. To get out, find safety. <laughs> and they all die. <laughs> it's so funny that that's a version that actually exists, like that yeah. you said is like, yeah, you said German. Yeah, okay, I, yeah. I feel like if you want it, if you want the darkest fairy tales, go for the go for the Brothers Grimm. Or That's just right. The, yeah, the German versions. What's What's funny is uh, once again, little spoiler, but uh, you you kind of give us uh, two little pop quiz questions to ask about it, and mm-hmm. anyone who's heard uh, the tortoise and the hare, the hare and has told that story and read it to their kids or, or learned it um, knows that the 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 answer and the moral of it is slow and steady wins the race, right? Mm-hmm. But in the German version, it sounds like, no, 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 no. It's fast and like quick is going to be the <laughs> yeah. winner of all. Yeah. It's actually about standardized testing and how bad it is. So that's <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we can have a whole podcast episode or season yeah. on standardized actually, testing. Well, I'm curious, you know, with this prompt and then you were talking about the, the German version, which is, which is funny. What, what, what is that version trying to get across? Do you I, know what it's trying to teach? I don't. I think it's maybe just more entertainment. I'm maybe not sure. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe, yeah. Maybe the purpose was entertainment from yeah. that, for that version. Yeah. Like the punchline and they all died. Yeah. It's over. Yep. Turtle couldn't do it. Oh, my gosh. So So anyways, yeah, for those of you kind of just to bring it back in, that's a prompt that was in small groups or in small groups this week. And it's just to give the importance of context. So why is the context so important in this week? Like, why are we bringing it up this week, Trevor? And, you know, as we're going through Matthew. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Well, one of the things we see with the parables, both this week and throughout, is that Jesus uses all of these um, stories and illustrations and metaphors. A lot of them are agricultural in nature. And there's a reason for that. And it's because of the people that he's speaking to. He's using uh, language and stories that would have been really familiar, really common to them. Uh, and even with that, uh, you know, there's certain circumstances that mark them, like living in the first century in Israel under the reign of the, the Roman Empire, that lead them to understand what he's saying in a particular way. Yeah. And if we miss that and just jump into the story, um, kind of not having any sense for the context, any sense of what's actually being communicated, you can really miss it uh, pretty easily and take it off in some directions that, um, you know, I think it was never intended to go in. Yeah. Gotcha. And I think it's, uh, you know, I... You know, I've been to Bible college. Uh, all I, three of us here at this table have gone to Bible college, and uh, one thing professors pr- 
preach religiously is context is key. Context mm-hmm. is king. Yeah. Uh, the Apostle Paul oftentimes shares uh, a phrase in his letters, therefore, and our professors always used to say, ask the question, what is it therefore? So mm-hmm. go back a few verses, go back yeah. a few chapters. Um, and so even in this parable of the weeds and in most of Jesus's parables who where he's talking about and talking to an agrarian society, farmers, uh, being here in Utah, especially, you know, in South Jordan, this part of the valley, and then down in Utah County and Lehigh, um, we do have farmers that attend our campuses. Sure. But I think mm-hmm. it is even more important, and, and Trevor, you mentioned this in, in the message itself, um, we may have some farmers, but we don't have first half of the first century Jewish farmers <laughs> yeah. under Roman rule. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still yeah. written to a specific people group. Um, it still can be for us, but it's not written to us, which is one of the points this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I think with this parable in particular, um, one of the things that's really easy to miss is how, uh, at least when we, read, when we read it from our our culture, our context, it's really easy to take it as, well, should we read the parable and then jump into it? Yeah, yeah. I think we we should. We just want to make sure that, that points there, context is, is a good thing. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and I just want to say this too, you know, I think sometimes people can think it's kind of a, maybe if you're looking from the outside in, it can seem like saying context is king. It's kind of a cop out for explaining hard things. For sure. But I mean, in the simplest ways, we deal with context all the time. When you, when you text your wife something, mm-hmm. If somebody were to just take like a text that you sent your wife at some point and like just pull out a context, it would be so strange or it would seem like, yeah, maybe you're mad at your wife when you're not like, right. we do deal with context everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just making sure that's applied here. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally. very important. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Um, do you want to read the first section, Trev? Yeah. Yep. So Matthew chapter 13, picking it up at verse 24. This is where Jesus tells the parable. And then afterwards, uh, we'll get to the explanation. But this is just the story itself. So verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Great. So... This is a, yeah, as we said, agricultural parable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll admit, this is not a super easy, off-the-cuff parable to explore. I think there's a lot that we can uh, mm-hmm. dive into on this. So, yeah. Yeah. Th- This actually was something that happened from time to time. Obviously, I don't think it was too widespread. Otherwise, you know, that's just turning the agricultural society into a bucket of crabs. Right. <laughs> um, but it happened from time to time. And the the particular weed that was uh, sown was identical to wheat when it was growing up until it reached a certain part in the kind of maturation process. Mm. Oh. So they said when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. So until that point... They thought it was just wheat. They thought it was wheat. Oh, they didn't know. That's, that's good. good. That's good context. Well, one thing that my wife said at small group too, my wife... And I'm, and this is not an exaggeration. I'm, my wife has, I think, over fifty plants, fifty five zero <laughs> plants at our house. Um, she loves plants, and she says she has experienced where she's trying to sprout things from seed, 
and um, she has these like lights that she puts them under and blah, blah blah and sometimes there's ones that look like they're way smaller than the other and so she'll go to actually she's done this before she's gone to pick out the smaller one that's next to a larger one mm-hmm. and some of those roots are like as she's pointed out they're pulling out the roots of the the plant that she wants to keep she said i've yeah. literally seen this firsthand before as you're pulling one they're somehow intertwined even below the soil and um mm-hmm. you can then kind of ruin the progress you've made with one of the other plants so she's like i've seen this a few times yeah. firsthand she did yeah. she actually uh told my wife uh one time she saw a small one like you know sprouting uh, in a plant we have and she was like hey kirsty you might you might want to take that one out because it's definitely going to start taking the nutrients <laughs> and killing the other one <laughs> and i was like it's so small why would it you know why would did it, it work that? uh well it's still alive so okay, yeah good okay well that's good <laughs> so we're not uh we're not uh you guys aren't green thumbs are you heck no i'm not no nah, I, I, I do like spider plants because they're so easy to keep alive yeah, there's some that are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. But so, so, the, so going back to the the passage, that is very fascinating to know that this particular weed, uh, even for someone who is very knowledgeable about farming and about this type of wheat, uh, would be there would be no way to know until mm-hmm. the sprouting happened. And so this whole time you're thinking, man, this is a good, this is a good looking you know crop. It's going to be a good year, and then boom, all of a sudden it's mm. ooh, wait a minute, that's that's the bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So where do we go from here with this? Um, what are some important takeaways from this? Just reading this. Probably maybe jump into the second half and then get the explanation and then really start picking it apart. Yeah, let's Sound do it. Because I feel yeah. like there's, there's a ton to talk about, but let's read that kind of second section. Because it's kind of almost like there's like an interlude here where mm-hmm. they kind of go back to it in Matthew at a later point. Yeah. He, Jesus keeps telling, uh, he tells a couple of more parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And then um, the disciples get an opportunity to talk with him and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kyle, do you want to take that part? Yeah, yeah, I'll start this. Uh, so Matthew chapter 13, uh, reading from the NIV, uh, starting in verse 36, it says, um, Then he left the crowd, meaning Jesus, and he went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Can, now, we, act, can we act this out? Well, I'm going well, to stop right there real quick because uh, <laughs> I got to teach this weekend at South Jordan, and uh, um, I really tried to hand this up because – uh, even in the small group discussion, and I want to kind of maybe share a little bit later about uh, these small groups and our, how ours went, specifically mine and yours, Adam, uh, talking about this this passage. But uh, it's fascinating because so often Jesus's parables can be confusing, especially for someone like us who's not mm. in that current context. Um, and then in the small group discussion we talked about, but when Jesus like explains it, that's it. Like we can't, we, that's, that's what the answer is. But when he doesn't explain it, then we can begin to like use contextual clues and infer. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this situation, Jesus has to explain it. But I just remember, I'm envisioning the disciples. Jesus is telling this parable and they're like leaning back like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making sure everyone's paying attention. Yeah. They're thinking, yeah, we know this. Like, you know, John over there, uh, he looks confused. Um, Jesus is playing and they're like hot stuff because they know uh-huh. Jesus, they <laughs> yeah. love Jesus, they've spent intimate time with Jesus, and then they get away and they lean in and they're like, "Hey, so um, just so everyone's clear, what did you mean, Jesus? Like, <laughs> I got it, but why don't you share with everyone else what you meant?" Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> even the disciples were confused yeah. uh, about this specific parable. So. If you, as a reader, are confused, that is okay. You're yeah. in pretty good company because the people who were literally knew the agrarian society, knew what Jesus was saying, laughed at his inside jokes, were confused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they go into this house. They have some time and a moment with Jesus. 
and they say, hey, you told this parable about the weeds. Uh, can you please explain it to us? Right. What mm-hmm. were you talking about? Mm-hmm. And then verse 37, Jesus answers, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. So Jesus is naming all the characters, giving Mm -hmm. them all roles in what he is talking about. And then he begins to explain what each of those characters does. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some interesting things in, in all of this. And, and, uh, and you and I, Kyle, have good context because we just had small group last right, night. Right. We were looking, our group was looking at, um, it's something that we, I think, hear at different points in the Bible, the gnashing of teeth. I always thought that that was um, a, a, a way of saying maybe suffering. It's not. Gnashing of teeth is like frustrated and angry. Mm. And I thought that was very interesting just at the end there when you're mm. looking at 42. Um, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not connected yeah. to a bigger idea, but I just, even from a small group, I learned, I was like, oh, gnashing of teeth is, they're, they're frustrated. They're like, hey, what's going on? Like, why'd you, you know, we thought we were with you, you know, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the gnashing of teeth there in 42, yeah. but <laughs> we can go on other stuff. I just found <laughs> that from, from small group interesting. Well, it is interesting that it's more frustration and anger than it is like pain and suffering. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's really not. Yeah. No, it's mm-hmm. like they're angry. They're, 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 they're upset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then going back to the uh, specific type of weed, not actually being distinguishable from the wheat until it sprouts, mm-hmm. then, then there's this idea that uh, the weed or the evil mm-hmm. um, thinks it's fine, thinks right. it's totally okay until mm-hmm. it gets to a point where it's exposed, where mm-hmm. they know what it is, which is why yep. the farmer's servants are saying, should we just go and rip it up now? Like, we mm-hmm. just found it. We can capture all now. And the farmers like the landowners like no you'll end up taking the good stuff away with mm-hmm. the bad stuff wait yeah. till it's wait till we're ready to harvest everything and yeah. then we can separate it yeah i feel like that's a really important part of the parable too like a lot of the questions that we have they end up surrounding the end of it right like the weeping and gnashing of teeth versus like the two different ends and and we'll get into talking about that but i think the the whole point about you know interestingly enough Jesus does give an answer to what every character initially is, except mm-hmm. for the servants. Yes. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like the question is, well, what is that? And I think, you know, the way that we read parables is to not take a minor detail and make it the main thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I think you could say that we are the servants um, or followers of Jesus are the servants. And I think part of what the instruction the parable is giving, uh, what it's teaching us not to do is to, to really sift and to analyze and measure the faith of other people so that if they come up short, we can punish them, cast them out, take away different things from them. Yeah. It's telling us not to do that, yeah. which um, unfortunately is something that, um, you know, religion has a way of doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think it can cause a lot of pain, a lot of damage to, to people's... Um, like the parable says, it can uproot the wheat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and uh, Trevor, on the way into work, I was listening to the message that you preached at Draper, which shameless plug, we do have another podcast, which is our messages podcast. You can go find that and listen to that in the car like I do. Um, and I loved your, you know, so one, this is a great distinction of religion versus the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gospel doesn't instruct us to, yes, sift, like you said, and then like cast 
somebody out. The, yeah. What we get in this parable is that this will happen mm-hmm. and God will do it. Like God's going to handle that. But I do like that you made a good distinction of, um, I think in a loving way, it doesn't mean like we won't ask hard questions. We won't try to help like um, maybe guide things. It's more of like there in religion, it can be like, you didn't do this. I know that this, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're estranged. You know, we're going to not have anything to do with you, like type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, there's, a, there's a difference between saying like, oh, I'd like to ask some questions about this and more of saying like, I know like mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know. You said it really well in the message. So people can go <laughs> listen to that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the idea that uh, um, one of our values is you can belong before you believe. So we're never going to like, we'll, we'll help, we'll help everyone, you know, process their experience, ask questions and, and try to take next steps in their, in their life of placing trust in Jesus, right? Continuing to grow in that. But we're not going to take you, hold you up to some standards, see whether or not you fit it, and then condemn you when you don't. Yeah. That that's something uh, we will not do. And I, I really appreciate that the parable touches on that um, specifically. Um, so I, I think that's a helpful thing. I think, and, and going back to the, the owner being the son of man, you know, the father being, uh, the servants being, you know, mm-hmm. believers, those who follow, I almost get the, the feeling too, that when they're asking the owner, should we go do this, that it's, they just, it's not out of malice or evil intent necessarily. It's mm-hmm. out of, Hey, this is our job. We feel mm-hmm. like, and normally mm-hmm. as servants, we're caring for, um, almost a, man, if we don't do this, are you going to get mad at us for not doing this? And so I mm-hmm. think we've all experienced uh, those who um, call themselves followers of Jesus who uh, seemingly do it in, with malice intent, seemingly judge and sit back and sift through. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, there's probably some who feel like, well, this is what, I, what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think the, the parable is very clear. Jesus is very clear um, that it's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to sit back and judge, and, and religion does that, especially the religion of this day, you know, the Pharisees and Caesar law. They love putting this heavy yoke, this yeah. heavy, you know, law that that they could barely even uh, follow themselves as teachers and leaders. Um, and so I think there's this there's this tension of we can all think of the bad examples of people who are just judgmental and do it all in the name of Jesus. But then there probably are people who think maybe like these servants, well, hey, should we go do this? This is part of our job. Should we go ahead and separate it right now before it gets too bad and too out of control? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is the answer is no, that we should not be doing that. Um, we don't need to do that. That's not for us to decide, us to judge. Um, you know, and later on towards the end, the, Jesus says the Son of Man is going to send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom. And mm-hmm. so there's a different person. You know, the Father is the only one who can separate the mm-hmm. wheat and mm-hmm. the weeds. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we just get to love people and to share uh, the truth of this gospel, which is the difference between gospel and mm-hmm. religion. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I loved even some insight um, from my small group again last night, a little bit going off of that, Kyle, is that one of the things that this parable is helping show us, on a vi- this is a very personal level. So mm-hmm. we can look at this from all different levels, very macro level, um, but on a personal level, one of the insights that one of our group members had was, you know, sometimes we can get so burdened by looking out at the world and seeing evil and being like, oh my gosh, like, uh, you know, get really distraught by everything that's going on. And what this parable is also saying is like, you know, that we, the, the weed and the wheat are intertwined right now. Mm-hmm. And that's how the world we live in is. And I, um, don't necessarily have to lose sleep thinking like, uh, what's going to happen with evil and how's this going to progress? And am I like not, am I not doing enough? Like, am I, 
letting this go on. It's kind of like, no, like I do know the, I do know the end point. I don't yeah. kind of know mm-hmm. the in between, but I do know the end point is that this will be handled. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want people to think that, that then the other extreme is like, oh, it just means you don't do anything. But mm-hmm. if you're like staying awake at night and thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. UFOs being shot down by jets right now or whatever. <laughs> like you can know like there is the, the end point is already determined in terms of evil. Yeah. Yeah. I and, think, I think that's really where context comes in, in an important place within this parable. Cause I think within our context, it's really easy to jump to the end to see the mentions of judgment, um, you know, of the weeds being kind of taken and thrown to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and being like, Oh, how horrible. I, I don't ever want to experience anything like that. And, and can miss that, uh, contextually, Jesus is speaking to people who are living in oppression, trapped mm-hmm. in their oppression, mm-hmm. living under the like the cruel reign of the Roman Empire with no ability to get out yeah. of it. And so really, this is a promise that one day the evil that is around you, the evil that is over you, that one day it will be dealt with and handled and it will never impact you again. So in, in that regard, when we understand that context, we see how the parable is actually good news. It's a promise that gives them hope uh, that one day all evil will be dealt with. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, so. In the message this weekend, um, uh, you know, we we got to open up to allow and add some context uh, to talk about um, our fascination with evil here and now, and specifically in the reign in the realm of true crime. Now, mm-hmm. Trevor is loves true crime, loves podcasts. To loves, a certain extent. To a cer- I, I love it when I'm listening. Right. And then there's like an emotional hangover for after. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and, and I mentioned, I'm, I'm not that big in a true crime. Um, my wife is, and I think probably three quarters of the people who attend SMCC are. And, yeah. and it's a very, you know, big, uh, big just fascination. It's a genre um, right it, now. It's a genre. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. but I, I mentioned what the reality of it is, it's not even just like the last 10 years. This has been a fascination with humanity for a long time, mm-hmm. even just as recently as, you know, 19, 20 years ago, uh, I shared a story. My father-in-law who passed away uh, suddenly in 2019, probably still to this day is the most loving, big hearted, kindest person uh, I've ever known uh, and been led by. Uh, he and my mother-in-law, uh, my wife jokes about how uh, that she wasn't allowed to watch Smurfs growing up in their household. So they had a very kind of tight rein <laughs> on what they could watch. Like one day brings home Helter Skelter, which IMDb says is a slasher slash drama, unrated three hour like oh goodness, movie yeah. about the rise of Charles Manson. Like, so even yeah, 20, 19, 20 years ago, like we were still <laughs> very fascinated with, uh, with, um, you know, that type of genre, true crime and things. And, but you mentioned this, we mentioned this in our message, uh, that there is some satisfaction that comes with, with knowing, uh, mm-hmm. did they get the proper judgment? Did they get caught? Are they being punished? Mm-hmm. Are they in jail? Um, and so to your extent, the context, the people who are hearing this are under oppression, not just by religion, but they're under oppression by an actual, uh, government. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying the scales will be balanced. Like mm-hmm. the people who are, are hurting you, they will get their just desserts. Um, mm-hmm. and so this would have been a message of hope not of, oh my gosh, I don't want to be weeping and gnashing my teeth, mm-hmm. but of it, things will be righted. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, once again, an important contextual clue to understand as we read this together, because you're right. Oftentimes we're eager to jump to the end to find out, and then mm-hmm. we might find some satisfaction with, you know what, Adam, to your point, yeah, there's evil in the world, but they're going to get their stuff. No, no, mm-hmm. no, that's not what Jesus is wanting us to walk away in this mm-hmm. point. Not um, we can just sit back and they're going to get they're going to get their dress desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not we need to go around and start judging people and coercing mm-hmm. them or convincing them or you know encouraging them or whatever to 
turn. I mean, there's, there's a fine balance and tension mm-hmm. between um, yeah. those two extremes. Yeah. 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 I think when it comes to the evil around us, the evil, um, you know, over us, that that's really where it, the parable speaks hope and is good news. Mm-hmm. And then additionally, there's a really interesting line at the end where, you know, Jesus says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we really tried to, I think, put a lot of emphasis in the message this past Sunday is that um, the only way this can happen, it, it, well, first off, the Bible is also very clear about this reality that evil is not just something that's around us, but it's also in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's something that um, I think is fairly evident. Well, and, yeah, and in, yeah, and that's a hard pill to swallow, especially if you're someone who is not, uh, you know, connected to or wanting to be led by Jesus or is still kind of investigating, asking those questions. Mm-hmm. To have someone like us stand up and say, "There's evil in you, um, and evil mm-hmm. in me too." Uh, just because it's hard to swallow doesn't mean it's not true. Um, yeah. And I think we gave some good examples of, you know, temper versus murder. Like those are two extremes, but mm-hmm. little small steps can still lead to very big steps. And mm-hmm. so yeah. the fact that we have those desires um, inside of us proves that there is evil, not yeah. only around us, but also in inside us. of us. Yeah. 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 Every one of us is marked by desires that if we acted on them would cause, I think, incredible harm, oh not only gosh, to ourselves, yeah. Yeah. but to so many other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that, I mean, what we're talking about the other evil in us, and that is kind of a hard pill to swallow, um, I think sometimes. Uh, but what's so interesting is that we, I think the majority of us, if not all of us, really want and desire for justice. You know, I was just watching a documentary and, um, and just thinking about, uh, about this guy who's doing some very evil things. I'm like, golly, I hope they just threw the kitchen sink at him for this. Like, this yeah. is horrible. But, you know, but the, but the part that we need to maybe pause and put emphasis on is like also being able to turn, uh, turn, I don't know what I'm holding in my hand right now, like the camera back 180 degrees and say, and look at us too. Yeah. Um, we look at evil outside and we go, oh my gosh, I hope that that person gets what they deserve. And, and that person gets served justice and these things, but also like, it's like, we got to look back at ourselves too. That's yeah. an important piece. And, and I, yeah. I kind of interrupted you, Trevor. So I want you to finish this thought or I can finish it for you if you've lost your train of thought. But <laughs> what, like if we, if we can allow ourselves to grasp the truth that there is evil in us, the bad news, mm-hmm. Then what that last passage that or what verse 41, 42 says, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. What does that tell us then about the good news? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like if we can receive that bad news, then that passage is actually giving very good news because the only way that the righteous can shine in the kingdom, shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, which I take to be language that's really straining to express the joy, Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of the richness of the quality of life that's marked uh, on the other side of judgment, um, once all evil has been removed, um, that the only way that we can actually experience that is if the evil has been removed, not only from the world around us, but also from inside of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the evil is removed, which means only good can remain in the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. And yeah. so that's, that's the crux of what Jesus is saying um, here. And, and mm-hmm. in context of the people he's speaking to, uh, the good being this you know oppression, this... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, inability to live a life of joy the way God designed his people to live um, in the first century. Um, and now the evil that is yeah. in us and around us is burned away, is gone completely mm-hmm. um, because only good can remain and will remain. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if you think of like all the, all the things that, you know, look, look at some of the worst regrets in your life mm. and uh, just imagine even the small things that, you know, maybe you've said or you've done or you've forgotten, um, you know, it's Valentine's Day today yeah. that we're recording this. So maybe that's even, uh, <laughs> maybe there's something <laughs> especially recent. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine having uh, the source of all of those things inside of you to be removed. Yeah. Uh, to never to never have that impacting your relationships negatively, to be stealing your joy, robbing you of your peace, that all of that is gone. And uh, man, what a life that would be. Yeah. There's a, I've got kind of a, a spicy question and Ooh. I pose it to my small group too. Um, and I think that people do listen probably to this podcast and just get a little bit more. These, these answers are probably going to be um, speculative. I don't know, mm-hmm. conjecture, whatever you want to call it, of, of trying to figure this out. But I was, I was drawn towards in this parable verses 29 and 30. And just, you know, I don't know if I'm trying to think into it too much, but I'll read it for, for the, for our audience again and, and just ask the question. So this is the part of the parable where they're realizing that there are weeds with the wheat and um, the farmer is asked a question, you know, the servants are saying, hey, should we pull up the weeds right now? Like, we know these are weeds now. They've, the wheat has sprouted. The weeds are here. Should we pull them up? And in verse 29, the farmer says, no, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat to bring it into my barn. So those two verses just pose... A question in my mind, and I don't know if there's an answer or not, but like what, you know, what's the, what's the point in this parable, in the story that Jesus is talking about? Like why have a little bit of emphasis on this? Or, or you know, mm. like what is the purpose of being like, no, 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 let them stay there. Like what does that mean for us? Uh, I have yeah. my guesses, but I'm curious your thoughts too. Yeah. I, I think on the one hand, he's answering the question. Um, the, well, I was actually talking with Eric in, in the kind of prep for this message, and he had this thought that, um, one key part of it is that Jesus is answering the question, if the kingdom is here now, uh, why does evil still persist? Yeah. Why is it still here? And yeah, he's answering that question and also saying that at one point the kingdom will be fully established, mm-hmm. and at that point all evil will be eradicated. But in the time being, it'll still be present. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wonder too, um, because this got brought up into uh, to our group uh, last night as well, and um, someone had a very... Uh, a very interesting thought that that made a lot of sense and whether it's you know contextually true or we can pull it out and apply it to our lives today um certainly here uh, one of the commentaries i read is that this isn't talking about um church discipline not being allowed or the ability mm-hmm. to help correct someone and, and um you know bring someone back into right relationship with church community um the apostle paul mentions uh you know what to do in those situations mm-hmm. um in his letters uh in the epistles um and so it's not it's not hey just let them keep doing what they're doing and let them keep wreaking havoc and and destroying community that's not mm-hmm. what it's saying mm-hmm. um but someone brought up in our group that um, let's say there's there is you know someone uh, within our church community who would be considered a weed. Uh, once again, that's not for us to decide, mm-hmm. but let's just you know bring this into context. Um, that if all of a sudden you do cast them out, which religion does, um, and churches sometimes are notoriously for doing, uh, mm-hmm. pushing someone out of mm-hmm. community because of whatever it is that they're involved in or, or struggling with. Um, Think of the rest of their family who might be considered wheat in the situation, and now all of a sudden, mm. they're the ones that get pulled out and thrown away um, with them. Yeah. I have no idea if that is uh, just speculative. Mm. Um, it does make sense in the in the in the sense of um, there are families where you know any given season someone is struggling and 
once again, um, in context, it's not for us to sit there and pull them all up. Um, but at the same time, there is much more damage that can be done Mm -hmm. by us judging and choosing to cast out that extends beyond just the person and then their relationship with community, but also the relationships that they are in. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, that got brought up and we talked about it and kind of sat on it for a little bit last night, but, but certainly there's something to be said about, um, if you're going to call a specific person a weed, uh, what Jesus is saying in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah. So to kind of dovetail off that, even just quickly, my wife had brought up in small group that a commentator had mentioned there could be emphasis on the wheat, the wheat and the weeds being intertwined in that, um, that in the church, big C, big C church, that, you know, there are, there are weeds and, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to tell like, oh my goodness, like what's going on here now? They're intertwined, um, that will get sorted out. But even in the, in the church, big C again, big C church, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's weeds there and, uh, they're intertwined with the wheat. Yeah. 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 That's good. I like that you mentioned church discipline too, because, um, I think, you know, there are examples within religion. The Inquisition is probably like the, oh, yeah. the worst example oh, of this. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we try to be clear in the, in the message, I think, with our language that to sift, uh, to, to really separate what the parable is getting at is, is to scrutinize someone's faith, hold it up to a standard to see if it measures up or not, and yep. then to cast them out, condemn them, punish them if it doesn't. If it doesn't. And that's not what church discipline is. That's something not. something nope. else entirely. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and perhaps yeah. I should have uh, kind of gone a little bit deeper in that because you hear church discipline, you make you think of all the things, like you said, the Inquisition, yeah. things like that. Mm. Um, that's not at all what it is. What Jesus is talking about here and in the parable is that specific uh, act of what religion does, which is, yeah. and honestly, it's, I changed it too sometimes, even in small group last night. It's not even if they don't line up. Most of the time, you don't line up to yeah. religion. Mm-hmm. And so then that gives the religious leaders the ability to cast out or to create a shame culture, or which is what we talked about on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And what church discipline's getting at, you actually see some of it um, laid out in Matthew chapter 18, later yeah. on in the same book. And like you're saying, Paul gets at it in yeah. his, some of his epistles to his letters. Um, but Matthew 18, 15, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. That's kind of the first step that yep. when someone's causing harm within the community, if they sin against you, cause harm against you. So just go to them personally, bring it up in an attempt to you know, bring reconciliation. Yep. Yeah. And if that goes poorly, which yeah. majority of the time it goes well. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it does. It does go poorly sometimes yeah. though. Um, but if he, if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Um, so the idea is that you, you come along with some other people who are, um, you know, more objective to mm-hmm. it and can kind of serve as mediators. Yeah, um, don't, don't bring your best buddies who are going to side with you. Yeah. Like find yeah. people who love you both and care for you both, yeah. who can hear all sides of it and then help make a decision. Yep. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, that's great. And, and I think sometimes, or at least what Paul gets into is that, the, this is where like pastors and elders can serve a yep. good role yep. in, in mm-hmm. being that. Um, then verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Um, that's, I think that's more so like officially where pastors yeah. and elders get involved. And if yeah. he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Um, and so that's, that's more of like an extreme end. I yeah. think 98% of these situations, <laughs> they never get there. No, not at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so for the listener, that that's church discipline. That's 
um, the uh, the reasoning behind it. That's the process with it. Um, and so when I mentioned that from this commentary that I read, this isn't saying just ignore that because obviously you know five chapters later we mm-hmm. see jesus kind of break that down this has nothing yeah. to do with that um we mm-hmm. still want reconciliation we still want a, you know healthy community uh in our communities um, yeah. this has to do with the sifting through judging raising mm-hmm. the bar so high that um when well, no, you're not gonna you're not gonna meet mm-hmm. it um, and then that gives me the ability to control you to shame you to mm-hmm. um, make you feel bad uh, make you feel guilty yeah um, and then continue to work really really hard mm-hmm. to hit that that mark um, mm-hmm. which is what religion is yeah you know? and i think this you know to put a pin in that idea the end result of what we're seeing in Matthew chapter 13 and then Matthew chapter 18. And results are two different things. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. is talking about finality. One is talking about evil being eliminated. Yeah. One is talking about, mm-hmm. yeah, restoring the earth to, you know, to, to, to God's kingdom fully. Mm-hmm. Matthew 18, on the other hand, is talking about like, yeah, how are we dealing interpersonally? Like, yeah. you yeah. know, there's two very different responsibilities. One is God's and the elimination of evil. Yeah. Big, mm-hmm. big, big, big thing. And then one is yeah. like, okay, Trevor did something that hurt me. I need to go to him and talk yeah. to him about this. And we need a community that that is safe and trusting. And like, how do we build that expectation into this? I want to let yeah. him know this expectation was broken. Mm-hmm. Interpersonally, I'm using tiny fingers here. And then right. big, big evil elimination. Yeah. Two yeah. Different things. It's kind of like, how do you deal with harm without causing more harm? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh-huh. and then to kind of continue this train of thought, uh, we're talking here, uh, and even in Matthew chapter 18, we're talking about those who profess to believe those who are living under the rule of, of Jesus as a leader of their life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, you know, to th- this doesn't give us permission to go out to someone who does not believe what we believe. Once again, mm-hmm. one of our values is you can belong mm-hmm. before you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, we want people, even if they believe the opposite, we believe we want them to feel like they can belong in community with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, at SMCC, uh, this is still once again, intertwined with, those within the family of God. So Jesus is speaking to Jews who are interacting with Jews. Um, and so I think that's key as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, one thing that I love guys, um, I'm just thinking about the, the message and obviously the messages in relation to this parable that we went through, but I loved and Maybe our readers didn't get a chance to listen to the message this week, but I loved in the message, how we had this gospel truth that I think is really, um, it's unique to the gospel and religion can sometimes like kind of mess with this, but uh, the gospel truth is that if you want to see how much God hates evil hmm. and loves you, look at the cross. Um, I love the uniqueness of the gospel and how it's a delicate balance of truth and grace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Usually religion is propping up and showing like how, you know, we imagine, and maybe we make this up in our heads too. Like God is angry. God wants to punish. God wants to make you pay and all these things, but there's this delicate dance and balance of truth and grace. We do want evil eliminated. We do want justice. And also with the cross, we see that there is grace and there's love with that. So it's just a, it's just very unique. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, is there anything else that we should talk about in this or do you feel like we've uh, got a pretty good uh pretty good run at this 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the last things I would say is just to go back from the very beginning of our conversation about context. Um, you do not have to be a biblical scholar uh, to uh, to know context. Mm. Um, there are plenty of resources, including our pastors and staff. Um, we would love, love, love to help you guys as you understand and read through Scripture. Groups are a great way to do that. We try and mm-hmm. resource our group leaders so they can understand um, and share the context of what passages we're reading. Trevor, you've done a great job with this um, this study that you wrote. Uh, bringing that up, like allowing for a setup note for the text to give us an understanding uh, of what's going on. Um, but understanding that context is absolutely king. Yes, it could, it, it could be a cop-out, like you said at the beginning, Adam, but I think it's still very important. We all know that. Um, if you have questions about context, I mean, you've got tons of pastors at your mm-hmm. our locations. We've got staff. Um, we've got resources that we'd want to help you as you begin to, to dive deeper and to ask these types of questions. Because Jesus' parables can absolutely be confusing at times. Um, mm-hmm. And even when he gives the explanation, we could, not being in that, that contextual society, we could have a hard time understanding it, even with the Son of Man literally saying what he means. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, if you can, if you can wrap wrap your mind around context, uh, you will begin to, to understand more and more of the, the gospel and begin to understand more and more of what, um, what Jesus uh, taught when he lived on this earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Trevor? No, I feel like we've harvested all we can out of this pair. <laughs> we've separated the, the wheat and the weeds. Yeah, that's right. Great, great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you all for, for listening. Um, it's funny. I, did, I thought at the intro, I never explained like why Eric is, isn't here today. Uh, Eric's traveling with Mike Bell, our Draper campus pastor, to do some leadership training and stuff, some good stuff with, and I know it's with Henry Cloud, at least Dr. Mm-hmm. Henry Cloud and I think John, Dr. John Townsend is there too. Yeah, we, we know that because uh, Eric has sent us pictures. Uh, he has. Dropping a little. Uh, he sent me a picture. Oh, look who I'm with right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a fun time. It, it well, you is. know what? We're here together, Trevor and Adam. Yeah, we're and having Kyle. a good time. We That's don't right. care where they are yeah. right now. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I believe as far as I know, Eric will be back next week. And um, yeah, we'll continue on. Uh, you know, if you're listening, maybe you might get from this. Being in a small group is a great place to understand these things more and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. with other people. And uh, man, hopefully you're joining us on Sundays and yeah. being a part of this, this series leading up to Easter. So thank you all for being here today and we will see you again next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.